it is really important to recognize that the new world of work is a hyper-social workplace. So anybody saying, look, surely, you know, you can just get away with developing technical skills, not true. The world of work has changed. Collaboration is king. There's a 2017 Gartner survey, which found that 67% of organizations, so that's close to 70%, rank collaboration as the number one critical workforce skill. And given that 82% of us have to work closely with other people just to do our jobs, knowing how to collaborate is really important. Welcome to The Fix, your weekly career playbook for the new world of work. With me, your host, Michelle King. Every week, I share insights, research, and actionable tips for how to get ahead, find meaning, and make a contribution beyond a job description in the new world of work. Before we start, just a quick request. If you like our podcast, then please hit subscribe now and leave a review. You can also sign up to our newsletter and get in touch at our website, thefixpodcast.org. It's that time of year again. Companies are adding hundreds of thousands of graduates to their ranks and training them much like they always have. According to a National Association of Colleges and Employers report, despite a slower job market, hiring projections indicate that companies plan to hire 4% more graduates in 2023 than in 2022. And while employers continue hiring graduates, many are unaware of the specific skill gaps graduates face and what managers can do to solve these challenges. While many studies may highlight a widening gap between the skills like interpersonal or technological that graduates have and those needed by employers, what is less known is the specific challenges facing graduates today and what employers and students can do to close the gap. A 2018 study entitled The Global Skills Gap in the 21st Century finds a disconnect between the skills employers want and the skills graduates believe companies need. For example, students overvalue the importance of creativity and leadership skills and undervalue the skills employers want, like flexibility, adaptability, and teamwork. This misalignment ensures the graduate skill gap remains firmly in place, with detrimental consequences. A 2023 survey by the consulting firm Deloitte examining Gen Z and millennials' experiences finds nearly half of Gen Z and four out of 10 millennials say they feel stressed or anxious at work all or most of the time. Most participants report increasingly high burnout levels due to work-related pressures. To prepare graduates to thrive in the new world of work, managers must understand how workplaces are changing and what specific challenges and development needs this creates for the next generation of leaders. As a researcher, I really want to understand the graduate skill gap. So I conducted a survey in partnership with OnePoll to examine 18 to 24-year-olds' experiences of work. In this episode, I unpack the findings for the first time with Selena Shoresh, my business partner and friend. Companies often sell the idea that employees' potential is determined by the skills they can list on a resume, but this isn't true. Just take a look at the way companies promote employees within an organization. Every year, managers will meet to discuss which employees have the potential to move to the next level. Leaders will debate people's different skill sets to try and achieve consensus on the final list of candidates for future leadership positions. What leaders are assessing isn't the technical or soft skills an employee has. Instead, it's their ability to learn on the job. 
Your potential, your ability to learn is determined by two important things, your intention to learn a new skill and your ability to take ownership of your development. When we learn informally by observing people, obtaining informal feedback or through trial and error, we take ownership of what we want to develop. We're intentional about it. Being intentional about what we learn requires that we're deliberate in how we go about developing specific skills. That is, we take ownership of our development. And this can include monitoring, planning, and looking for ways to meet your learning needs while undertaking your job. Today, we shared what skills graduates need to thrive in the new world of work. But to truly maximize their potential, graduates have to take ownership of what they learn and how they learn it. So Michelle, tell us a bit about why you wanted to research the graduate skills gap. There's been lots of reports done around Gen Z and entry-level talent and graduates, but why did you specifically want to look at this group and the skills that you're seeing might be a mismatch? So I think it's commonly perceived that employers recognize there's some sort of mismatch between the skills graduates are entering the labor market with and the skills they need. I think what's interesting is when you look at some of the challenges, about a third of employers in the UK and the US say, look, generally they're struggling with graduates when it comes to things like teamwork, communication and problem solving. And so for me, given my second book, How Work Works, where I share how to manage the work you undertake, what it takes to really get ahead, what are the skills you need for the new world of work, I wanted to understand this gap a little bit better because a 2018 global study called the Global Skills Gap really examined 16,000 responses globally around the graduate skill gap and found there's actually quite a mismatch between the skills graduates think employers need and the skills employers actually want. So to give you an example, the top three skills employers generally say they want in graduates are problem solving, teamwork, and communication. Their least three important skills are commercial awareness, negotiating, and language skills. So the problem is when it comes to graduates, the top three skills they think employers want are things like creativity, leadership, and problem solving. And so what we've got here is almost this awareness gap of what are the skills that companies are really needing. And I think the challenge it creates when it comes to sort of bringing grads in is you start to see really high rates of burnout. So there's a Deloitte report that really looked at when graduates enter workplaces, what are some of the challenges? And a lot of it is around not having clarity of the role requirements, not having clarity of the skills that they actually need to fulfill their role requirements, sort of difficulty managing work-life integration, difficulty working with others. And so our research really wanted to understand what this looks like. And part of my reason for researching it was in my first book, The Fix, I actually went out and asked 835 men and women who work in the area of the future world of work, you know, what are those top five capabilities that are required to be sort of really exceptional in this new world of work? And I found pretty similar to what employers were saying, right? So my top five is adapting to change and managing ambiguity managing people to achieve outcomes, achieving results and outcomes through others, demonstrating emotional intelligence and demonstrating resilience. So we've really got this need to navigate ambiguity, to manage people, to collaborate with others, to manage our emotions and to be resilient in this ever-changing world of work. 
And I think the difficulty is generally when you look at studies around how graduates are preparing themselves for this world of work, there's a tendency for them to feel like, hey, I've got this. I've got all the skills that I need. I don't need any additional training. And actually, a lot of studies show that's not the case. So a 2017 one poll study of 2000 graduates aged 18 and older found that about 65% of grads don't feel confident when they're in face-to-face social situations. 40% of millennials believe their lack of social skills will and has held them back at work. About two out of three young Americans admit they lack social skills. So what we're starting to see is the sense of, while I think I'm ready for the world of work in a hyper-social, highly collaborative world of work, maybe I don't actually have everything to get ahead. And when I really analyzed current rates of young people's ability to navigate this new world of work, overwhelmingly, I would say what it boils down to is there's really three core gaps. So the first is managing conflict. So the ability to actually disagree with someone, have difficult conversations, deal with conflict, with the challenges at work, you know, that resilience, all of that sort of sits in that conflict management space. The second area that came from the current literature was really saying, look, there are challenges with managing ambiguity, dealing with problems that don't have clear solutions, having to manage new ways of working or new novel sort of types of problems. All of that can be quite difficult. One study, which was pretty shocking, found that people aged 24 to 37, 70% of them, so this is Generation Y, scored below average when it comes to managing ambiguity. And those aged 18 to 37 were twice as likely as older workers to score in the bottom 10% for managing ambiguity. So a lot of that has to do with just being uncomfortable with situations where there isn't a clear answer or clear set of directions. And it shows up at work with challenges like needing very clear feedback. And then finally, interpersonal skills. So we know this is a challenge. I mean, there was a Bloomberg survey that really showed 65% of corporations and 56% of academic institutions view graduates as ill-prepared when it comes to social skills and particularly soft skills. And graduates themselves in that one poll study I referenced earlier said this is something they struggle with. So for me, not only is there sort of a skill gap, but I think more importantly, there's an awareness gap. So in researching it, my hope was that we could get some clarity on, okay, we all acknowledge there is some sort of skill gap, but what's the mismatch between what employers are saying they want, what graduates say they need, and what is it specifically that line managers can do to really try and support graduates with navigating this new world of work? We've definitely seen it echoed with clients that we deal with and also graduates and early emerging talents that we've spoken to. And you cover this and touch on it in your new book as well, given the new world of work is very much informal. So this gap and inability to manage ambiguity is, I think, concerning both for graduates and entry-level talent, but also for employers that are trying to funnel that pipeline. So with that in mind, what did your research specifically find and how did it unpack that? Just on your first point, it is really important to recognize that the new world of work is a hyper-social workplace. So anybody saying, look, 
Surely, you know, you can just get away with developing technical skills. Not true. The world of work has changed. Collaboration is king. There's a 2017 Gartner survey which found that 67% of organizations, so that's close to 70%, rank collaboration as the number one critical workforce skill. And given that 82% of us have to work closely with other people just to do our jobs, knowing how to collaborate is really important. So I think the first thing that I would say is our data found that graduates generally believe they have the social skills that they need and they have the opportunities to interact effectively at work. So we had about 87% of graduates aged 18 to 27, I believe, saying they have the skills they need to interact effectively if their colleagues at work. And bear in mind, the survey was done in the UK and the US. Our sample was about 2,000 participants. And that's a mix, right, in terms of demographic variables. So gender, race, we really try to get a mixed representative sample. And so that's really interesting that people think they've got the skills, they get enough opportunities for face-to-face or in-person connection, despite even working in a hybrid environment. I think while a lot of graduates feel they've got those capabilities, they also recognize that social skills are really important. So about 85% say, yes, you absolutely need social skills to do your job. And while we recognize it's important and we might even believe we have the skills, about 40% don't receive any training when it comes to soft skills or social skills like influencing, persuading, including others at work. And I was a bit surprised at that because, you know, typically with graduates, companies invest in some form of development. And if you think about technical skills in my book, I share how 75% of your career success and future earnings actually depends on your soft skills. Only 25% of career success is linked to technical skills. And the reason is the higher up an organization you go, the more you have to collaborate, the more you have to influence, the more you have to persuade. So learning to do that's really important. So in the context of all of that relatively positive data, I think what's pretty shocking, and I want all my listeners to hear me on this, is that nine out of 10, nine out of 10, that's 1800 participants said, they'll avoid in-person events because of social anxiety. So that is pretty phenomenal. And what that really tells us is it's not that graduates don't believe they have the social skills. It's that they don't feel confident, right? And one of the reasons for it is social media. So every time you log on to Instagram or go on to Facebook or TikTok, what you're doing is you're engaging in some form of what we call social comparison. So you're looking at other people, comparing yourself to others, and invariably that makes you feel less than. It just does. So one of the challenges is social situations actually trigger graduates to feel those same feelings. So we have to recognize there's a higher degree of social anxiety. And the reason that's unhelpful is even though graduates believe they have the skills, even though they have the opportunities, our data tells us they're actively avoiding taking those opportunities and using them, right? And that matters because collaboration is king actually avoiding social situations because you feel anxiety is not really an option because that's where you build your informal networks. That's how you collaborate. That's how you actually get the job done. And, you know, there were other data points like 20% don't believe they have the social skills needed to persuade others at work. And more importantly, 23%, so close to a quarter, feel uncomfortable speaking up in team meetings or sharing their ideas. That's a pretty shocking statistic. So for me, I think if you're a leader in an organization, you need to recognize even if graduates 
seem like they have the social skills, even if you give them the opportunities, that doesn't guarantee they're going to want to engage. I think that is truly shocking, as you mentioned, especially in the context of new working normals, whether it's hybrid or it's part in person or fully back in the office, to know that actually you have a whole talent group that may be actively trying to avoid those in-person interactions, which you say are so valuable, not only to building our networks, but also that informal learning. So you talk about awareness, becoming aware of this information. What are some of our recommendations that have come out of the report, particularly in looking at that particular piece around social interaction, avoidance of that, social ambiguity? How can companies bridge that gap? So we need to actually acknowledge what the sources of social anxiety are. One of the data points in our study found that 75% of participants said that their manager creates stress for them at work. Now, anyone listening to this is probably thinking, yep, that's me. And alarmingly, 50% of participants said they're much more effective in working with people who share their background. And over a third said they're uncomfortable having difficult conversations at work. So while we recognize managers play an important role, what we need to also do is take all of this data together and think about what it's telling us. What it's telling us is that younger generations not only are more sort of socially anxious, but one of the reasons they're socially anxious is because relationships are inherently informal and ambiguous. And we know that younger generations struggle with ambiguity. So if you're in a meeting and you disagree with someone, or if you're in a meeting and you're not sure if your boss likes a presentation you gave, or if you're in a meeting and you're having to pick up on social cues, all of that comes down to our ability to navigate ambiguity. So when we think of ambiguity, we often think of it in terms of tasks, like do I have clarity on what I need to do? Am I getting consistent feedback on my performance and what I did? But the reality is ambiguity also exists in how we work. So how we collaborate, how we interact, how we include, how we manage our manager, how we work with our teammates, all of that exists, right? And I think if you're struggling generally with navigating ambiguity when it comes to tasks, you're going to struggle with navigating ambiguity when it comes to social situations. So that's why our data found 33% of participants were not confident in making decisions at work without all the necessary information. And alarmingly, a third were stressed out because of the uncertainty inherent in their relationships at work. So all of that really tells us that if you're going to focus on one thing, focus on helping the next generation manage ambiguity. That's the key. And I think what we have to recognize is for a lot of graduates, that's really declining. Their ability to navigate ambiguity is declining at a time when workplaces are becoming much more informal. So if you look at how workplaces are changing, one of the major predictors is we're going to slowly get away from sort of hierarchical structures. We're going to have a lot more self-managing teams and there's going to be a ton of collaboration. So if you look at technical roles in particular, it's really, really unlikely that you can take up a tech role and not have to work with other people. So most of the innovation Most of the creativity, most of the complex problem solving that's required in these roles requires a high degree of collaboration. So I think not building your ability to navigate ambiguity isn't an option. That's a nice double negative there, Selena, but it just isn't an option. So if you're sitting here thinking, well, these findings are interesting, but I'm just going to ignore them. I'm here to tell you that's really going to detrimentally impact your work. 
we can't stress it enough. And I do think we all have a role to play in creating that enabling environment and understanding first the issue and then looking at ways that we can create greater clarity, create support, create trust in bridging that skills gap. In terms of the social anxiety piece, I think dipping into it a bit more, because I think it can be quite intimidating. I can imagine for anybody who does manage the up and coming generation coming through, knowing how to navigate that and where their lines of responsibility and care towards well-being versus supporting and enabling learning on the job. How do we navigate that, I suppose, for those people that are managing this particular group as well? Look, this might feel a little bit out of place, but I always hold managers accountable because we know from previous studies that about 70 to 75% of your mental and emotional well-being at work is actually a direct result of the behaviors your line manager engages in. That's the Harvard Business Review study. And the same is true when it comes to inclusion. So roughly sort of half of an employee's experience of feeling included is directly a result of their line manager's behavior. So when we think about anxiety, I think what we have to recognize is the role that managers play in making those situations a bit more comfortable in reducing the anxiety. So that Deloitte study I referenced earlier, just to give you a quick example, nearly half of Gen Z, so 46% and four in 10 millennials, say they feel stressed or anxious at work nearly all or most of the time. And increasingly, you know, we're seeing high levels of burnout due to work-related pressures. And the report, when you dig into it, it's really because of rubbish line leaders, right? So you've got line leaders who are having workloads that are unmanageable, poor work-life balance, a lot of ambiguity in terms of tasks, not giving enough feedback, not managing work hours, not enabling the next generation to disconnect. And so that's why seven out of 10 Gen Z and millennials are regularly responding to work emails and messages outside of sort of typical working hours. They feel like they always need to be on. So I think what we have to recognize is that managers aren't managing in an effective way. So if you're a people manager and you're listening to this, my advice to you is to be as clear as possible. So clear both in terms of the what and in terms of the how. So when it comes to giving tasks, work hours, making sure you're very clear on expectations, on outputs, delivery dates, giving really specific feedback on the quality of the work. All of that's really important. And then when I think it comes to how, you know, set really clear expectations for what good looks like when it comes to how we collaborate, how we include, how we work with others, right? What is the expectation even for things like engaging socially at work? So look, it's my expectation that you're going to come to that team building activity or that event if possible, because this is a great opportunity for you to connect with your colleagues. So really having very clear expectations. And then I think providing ongoing coaching, support, feedback as much as you can. We know this generation really likes a lot of feedback. So all of that can help reduce anxiety. So for a grad in particular around social situations, just saying that was really great to have you at that team building event. We really appreciate your contribution. It was great to get to know you. Something as simple as that will help reduce anxiety around how they're being perceived. So I think we have to recognize that for this generation, they feel in social situations like the whole world's watching because that's how they feel in the digital environment. So the more we can put them at ease through regular feedback, being as transparent, clear and consistent as possible when you're managing, the better. 
Switching gears to graduates then, you touched on the ability to manage conflict. And we know, and we've seen this, that obviously workplaces are becoming more diverse and therefore they need to be more collaborative. So the need to really develop that skill is ever important. So what would be our recommendations for graduates in terms of bridging that gap? Yes, I think graduates need to recognize that shying away from difficult conversations isn't an option. Conflict is inherent in workplaces, it's inherent in working with others. And I think for me, one of the statistics that was really alarming was most graduates, 50%, right, would prefer to work with people who were similar to them because they found it easier. That's not an option. Workplaces are becoming more demographically diverse and diversity, equity, and inclusion is a critical skill set both now and in the future world of work. You cannot afford to not be inclusive. I'm not saying they lack an inclusive mindset. What I'm saying is that preference to work with people is similar to you because it's easier. We need to acknowledge that and recognize that's going to limit the next generation's effectiveness at work. And it makes sense, right? So of course they do because they generally struggle with having difficult conversations and they find social situations cause them anxiety. So of course, working with people that are similar to them, where there's going to be less anxiety, less conflict, less difficult conversations, of course, that's a preference. It makes complete sense. But I think we need to recognize that is a massive area for us to focus on and try and build the next generation's ability to bridge their differences with others. And so for me, what that really means is how, again, our leaders developing teammates' ability to bridge their differences, work with people who are different from them, value those differences, and manage the conflict that creates. Because studies consistently show while diverse teams are better when it comes to creativity, when it comes to innovation, when it comes to performance, and even profitability, they're a lot harder to manage. It's a lot harder to manage a group of people who have different backgrounds, different perspectives, because there's more conflict, right? They're less likely to just agree. That conflict is the source of innovation, but it also can be difficult. And so I think, again, if you're a grad, think about, well, what do I do when someone disagrees? Do I know how to give and receive feedback? Do I know how to have a difficult conversation? And if I don't, what are the resources out there? My book's just one. There's hundreds of different resources that I can listen to, read, learn from, even practice to help me develop that skill set. So the more you can lean into discomfort at work, I think the better place you'll be for collaborating with people in an effective way. Thank you so much for bringing those findings to life and actually coupling it with real practices and solutions that people can explore. For those that want to actually have access to the report and read the findings in details for themselves, where can they go? So I would love them to visit our Belong Here community. So for those of you who don't know, Selena has built a whole community for the next generation with free resources, cheat sheets, toolkits, you name it, to help develop the skill set. So do you want to maybe share a bit about your Belong Here community? Yep. So we started, Michelle and I, the Belong Here community with the mission to support the next generation of leaders. And really, actually, this report was just the start of that journey in really identifying the problem we're trying to solve for and support and enable and create an empowering community where you can not only connect with your peers, but you can access free micro learning resources coaching conversations, access to actionable advice by experts and industry leaders weekly. So it's really a living career platform for this group 
to connect, advance and develop together. And we are really excited to launch it later this month. So please come check it out, sign up for exclusive information about our launch and when we'll be going live. I really hope you all enjoyed today's episode. For anyone who is supporting me with my new book, How Work Works, if you've pre-ordered a copy or even ordered a copy, I've got something really special in store for you. Selena and I have built a career e-journal, which has 52 exercises, advice, tips for managing your career. You can access and download this career e-journal from my website at michellepking.com. A quick one before you go, if you love our podcast and you want more, then hit subscribe now and leave a review. Your support means so much. Also, if you're interested in partnering with us or being a guest on the show, then please reach out through our website, thefixpodcast.org. You can also sign up to our monthly newsletter and contribute your story there. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you all again next week.